0: Um, we're in uh, in the middle of this sermon series on on post Easter. There was a period uh, we read about it in Scripture uh, between the time that Jesus was raised from the dead, he walked out of the grave, and the time that he ascended uh, into heaven and left uh, left the apostles and the believers uh, on their own. There's a period of uh, about six weeks or so, uh, and uh, we're just taking a look at stuff that happened during that very strange period in human history uh, where Jesus was resurrected and walking and people were trying to figure out stuff he said and stuff that he did. Um, and uh, um, we're, we're gleaning what, what lessons uh, we can. Some of his most poignant teachings and deeds were actually in that period, although almost all of them had a mystical quality to it. Um, this uh, really isn't… Uh, pertinent to Mother's Day, but I was thinking this week about uh, a young mom that uh, came to me uh, several uh, years back. She was actually sent, uh, from, uh, sent to me from another fellowship, um, had gotten word uh, about our ministry here, and somehow got an appointment with me, and ended up in my office uh, one afternoon. And uh, she had been uh, struggling with some things and some, some fairly uh, secret things, and for whatever reason, she felt like she wanted to come to Blue Water and just kind of get this off her chest and, 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 and ask, ask for help. Uh, and and the, the crude facts were uh, that she was basically destroying herself. Uh, she was married. She was uh, 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 had one, one little one. Uh, and... Uh, was also having a lot of secret affairs, um, cheating on her husband, and she was prone to chemical binges of different sorts, uh, secret use of alcohol and stuff like that. And nobody knew what was going on in her life. It was really a rather extraordinary uh, situation. Nobody knew that it was going on in her life, and she couldn't explain why she was doing it. Life was good, um, things were progressing for her. She desperately wanted to stop these destructive behaviors, um, but she could not, she could not seem to stop. Uh, the reason she was doing it was secret even to herself, in other words. So she was telling me about this, and and just sort of going on and, and going on. And I, I did not know this, this lady, so finally I just sort of interrupted her in blunt fashion, as I sometimes do. And I said, why do you hate yourself? Um, and she looked at me funny and then said, oh, I don't. I don't hate myself. And then I said, well, what happened to you? Uh, probably in one of your primary family relationships, that was shameful. What shameful thing happened to you back in the day in your family? And she thought about that for a few moments and then started crying. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, in a very short amount of time, uh, we found ourselves talking about this instance when she was uh, a young teen and she was mouthing off to her dad. I mean, just, just really mouthing off. As, uh, as sometimes teenagers are wont to do. I know none of you did that. None of the teenagers here ever do that. Uh, but she was going off on her dad and she was saying some horribly cruel things to him about him. And she was saying some horribly cruel things about her mom. You know, so she was really going off. It, it was vile. And her dad slapped her. He slapped her mouth. And depending on what generation you come from, uh, you might consider that abuse, or you might consider it appropriate, uh, but uh, it was, you know, shocking uh, at the moment. And that was the end of that interaction, and they never spoke of it afterwards. Um, but when I said, why do you hate yourself? What shameful thing happened to you? It immediately came back into her mind. Obviously, very much on her heart. And she started talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. And it went from us chatting about this experience that she had to her just exploding in rage and tears and just spitting as she was talking about it. And she could not stop. The technical psychological term is perseveration. She could not stop herself from gushing uh, about this uh, experience And gradually, it came out, well, a couple of things came out about it. One, she was very mad at her dad uh, for what he had done and slapping her when she was mouthing off. And two, she felt she kind of deserved it when it happened because she was being such a little vile human being uh, at the time. The result of that experience, just to cut to the chase, was that as an adult, uh, as a mom, with child of her own, a family of her own, she was destroying it as best she could by cheating, uh, by abusing herself, uh, by intoxicating herself because she, and wait for it, just couldn't let it go. And depending on how you look on it, it wasn't even that big of an experience, right? It's like, well, you know, she made a mistake. Her dad couldn't stand listening to her berate her mom. Maybe he reacted uh, too violently, too angrily. But this stuff happens in life, you know. But she could not let it go. And here's the principle. If there's something in life that you can't let go of, it won't get smaller, it will get bigger. And you might find yourself doing crazy things. You might find yourself unable to stop doing crazy things, destroying yourself and destroying the people that are closest to you, even though you don't want to, because you just can't let it go. Everybody say, let it go. And if you sing the song, you're out of here. I'll just tell you right now. Um, setting all blame aside and analyzing that little experience that she had, uh, what was needed there when she was a teenager and what was needed by her uh, as an adult was simple forgiveness. Just needed to, you know, minister forgiveness in that situation. And she needed to forgive her dad. Maybe her dad needed to forgive her. Or maybe as an adult she needed to work forgiveness for herself or whatever, but simple forgiveness uh, was the answer. Humans require the capacity to let it go and move on. That is one of the basic needs in our lives. And without it, we destroy ourselves or our families or our friends. And by and large, people, we stink at forgiveness. I mean, we just really suck at it, by and large. Um, we, We know it. We celebrate it. We certainly celebrate it as Christians. Uh, But we have ways of defeating it, of overly complicating it uh, in our lives. And as a result, we get sick or we make sick situations and and, and stuff like that. Relationships get stuck in bitterness uh, oftentimes or we become perfectionists about things or we get overly stressed about things because we don't want to make any mistakes. We have to hide our mistakes. Why? Because we know there's no such thing as forgiveness. I mean, not really because none of us have experienced it fully we play all of these mind games, we become secretive, we become sick, we do sick things, and we become false. We become false because we have to pretend, and we have to hide, and we have to be secretive because forgiveness is not the environment we live in. The environment we live in is is not forgiveness. It's anti-forgiveness. It's judgment. It's measurement. It's evaluation. Um, That's the environment that we tend to live in. So we don't think we're going to be forgiven by people if we do something wrong. And you know what? We're right because people tend not to forgive each other very well. So we have to get really, really good at living in the forgiveness of God toward us. And that's probably uh, the only cure for the situation the environment of forgiveness is the, forgiveness is the environment that we are supposed to live in. So warm-up questions just to kind of uh, get the juices flowing. Uh, uh, let's start with a quiz. Let's start with a quiz. True or false? You need to repent to be forgiven by God. See, you're too afraid of making a mistake because, because you're not comfortable with this whole idea of forgiveness, are you? You need to repent to be forgiven by God actually false, actually false. Right now, um, you know, some of your theologies are, are busting. One of my favorite stories right at the beginning of the chapter of Mark, uh, some guys uh, bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. They, they dig a hole in a roof and they lower the friend down. You know that story on the mat and lower down in the middle of a crowd. Jesus is there talking with a bunch of religious experts and Jesus takes a look at this poor crippled guy that has just vandalized the house and and, and Been lowered in front of him must have been a fairly pathetic sight. And the first thing he says is, You know, be encouraged, your sins are forgiven. He just pronounces forgiveness to him right then and there. The guy doesn't say a word, doesn't ask for forgiveness, doesn't say sorry. We don't even, he may not even know that he needs it, but he says, You're forgiven. And then the Pharisees who are there get really angry and they say, Oh, only God can forgive. You can't do that. That is inappropriate. And Jesus famously says, uh, Which is easier to say, You're forgiven or get up and walk? And then, of course, he says, stand up and walk, and the paralyzed guy is healed. Implication being, he's also forgiven. And what that is, is a demonstration of the radical generosity of God. In the kingdom of God, forgiveness is actually easy. In the kingdom of God, forgiveness happens at the drop of a hat. In the kingdom of God, forgiveness is the conversation opener. And everything else follows from that. And that was the hallmark of Jesus' ministry. And that was how he rolled from there. Warm-up question number two, if you came to me today, you know, you're hung up on something and you came to me and said, well, you know, mistakes were made in my life. Mistakes were made. And I said, hey, you're forgiven. It's all done. Are you? Do I have the authority to do that? Yes or no? You're afraid I'm making a mistake, aren't you? It's a yes or no question. It's 50-50. You could flip a coin if you want to. Um, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a teaser. Uh, that situation probably has more to do with your willingness to accept forgiveness than with my authority to give it. Warm-up question number three, forgiveness check. Let's just, let's just check ourselves on this. Are you good at forgiveness? Any good at forgiveness? You personally, I mean. Um, you got anything that you find it hard to forgive yourself for? I will give you four seconds to think about it. it was pro- if, if that's true, it's probably something that makes you feel embarrassed or ashamed. Anything you find it hard to forgive yourself for? Uh, is there something that someone else won't forgive you for? easier to answer that one? Uh, Is there anything that you won't forgive someone else for? You're mad. still makes you mad when you think about it. Anything like that? All right, that's our forgiveness check uh, for the morning. Uh, That was heavy. Give your neighbor a high five. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Um, one of the things that happened in the days between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension to heaven is that, you know, people were trying to figure out what the heck just happened. And what was it for? I mean, you know, here's a guy, we think he's the Messiah. He gets killed, and then he comes back to life. Uh, what, what, what did we just do? You know, you have like Peter who had abandoned Jesus uh, and, you know, Uh, We spoke about that in in the sermon uh, last week. Uh, All of his friends had run away. His people had killed him. Um, What did we just do? Why did it happen? Jesus had told them going into it, hey, this is my body uh, given for you. This is my body broken for you. This is going to be some kind of a sacrifice that I'm making for you. He told them at the Last Supper. So after He rose from the dead, I imagine they were talking among themselves, His followers, and saying, well, a sacrifice for what? Exactly how does that work? I mean, it's kind of complicated uh, theologies. These days, we Christians tend to explain the cross and Jesus' death uh, with some reference to atoning sacrifice. Jesus had to die to pay for our sins, right? It's ten- that's how we tend to explain it to ourselves, so it has something to do uh, with forgiveness, but how exactly does one understand that forgiveness, and how does it work? And, and Jesus Himself in that interim period uh, addressed this, and uh, there's just a very short passage from John 20. It's on the back of your program. It'll also be up here on the big board, or you can follow it in your iPhone Bible. Uh, part of this passage uh, we have read uh, previously. I'll just add a little bit on to the end. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, this is right after Jesus walked out of the grave, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Shalom. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Okay, that part we've covered. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As if to say, no, 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 I really mean it. Be at peace. Whatever's gone down, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're troubled with, peace out, man. I mean it. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Relax, guys, you've got a job to do. And with that he breathed on them. A little shared the ha. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, the word for spirit, same as breath. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Period. End of sermonette. What do you think of that? When you read uh, passages of scripture, um, one of the things that you can do to understand it better is to ask yourself, what bugs you about it? Whenever I read a piece of scripture and I want to meditate on it, I read it through and then I ask myself, what's wrong with this? What bugs me about this passage? What bugs you about this passage of Scripture? Anyone want to volunteer? I'll forgive you if you get it wrong. What bugs you about this? It seems like the disciples are being given the power to decide whether or not other people get forgiven. Is that right? Does that bug you? Yeah, it bugs the heck out of me. Bugs the heck out of me. One of the reasons it bugs the heck out of me is because I'm a disciple. And uh, it seems like Jesus is, is kind of giving us this power. One, it's, it's, just, it's just too weird. I mean, the whole interaction is just too weird. Jesus shows up. He goes to disciples and he breathes on them. All right, you know, grave breath. I don't know exactly, you know, what that was like if they understood what he was doing. But I imagine, you know, I imagine it was a poignant moment. I imagine it was a powerful moment, and they understood something about the giving of life, you know, ha, uh, as we say locally. Um, and then he says, "Receive the Holy Spirit, you know, receive something from me," uh, and. Uh, in short order, we'll be talking about this um, next week. Um, the disciples are going to learn a lot about the manifestation of God called the Holy Spirit. And this was just kind of the, the beginning of what Jesus was, was sharing with them. But, but the first capacity that comes with the giving of God's Holy Spirit to the disciples is this crazy capacity to forgive. It's crazy authority to just distribute God's mercy around the world. Uh, and that seems too easy. It's too weird and it's too easy. You know, it's like whoever you, for, whoever you forgive is forgiven. Well, I mean, that's easy. You know, wh- whoever I forgive, whoever Jordan Sang forgives is forgiven. All right. You know, you, you all want to be rushing me after the service because uh, that's, that's a great gift to bestow on someone. I do a lot of counseling for people, a lot of people who are struggling with, with sins. Man, let me tell you, if, if, if this worked smoothly, my life would be a lot easier. If I could just go to someone and say, you're forgiven, and have that work, and have them receive it, and have it be done, oh man, people would be so healthy. I like that. But then it's too dire, it's too serious, it's too domber, somber, because it finishes at the end with, and if you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. And I have to wrestle with well, how do I take that? You know, what what do I do about that exactly? What is Jesus saying here? And it seems like he's saying two things. It seems like he's saying number one, uh, forgiveness is easy. Well, three things. Number one, forgiveness is important because he leads with that. Uh, number two, forgiveness is just really easy. Go, give it away. Come on, I got a job for you. I'm sending you out to forgive. Anyone—that's the job description, you know. Um, but there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it, you know, because if I don't get it done, <laughs> then evidently people are not going to be forgiven, uh, and that's uh, that's that motivates me, right? Because I don't want that on my head. I don't want any of you leaving here today unforgiven. That's no good. I know what unforgiveness does to people. I know how it destroys them and causes them to destroy themselves and the people they love. I'm not even talking about how things stand between you and God. Just like forgiveness is a cancer. Unforgiveness is a cancer. So I don't want that on my head. What do I, what do, I do with that? I don't want anyone I love to go through life unforgiven. There's that as well. I mean, some powerful motivation there. And I think that might just be the point of Jesus' little sermonette here. He wants to motivate them to get it done. No, this is a serious responsibility I'm giving you. This is serious responsibility. I will say parenthetically out of caveat, I don't want anybody to leave here uh, today unforgiven. So I will forgive anybody that comes up to me. But the best, smartest thing I can do is to make you all realize that you too have the ministry of forgiveness so that we can just all be forgiving of one another willy-nilly, a crazy matrix of grace, generosity, mercy, and forgiveness. And if we all are doing it for each other automatically, all the time, aggressively, then we will create an atmosphere of grace, mercy, and forgiveness that will be awesome, that will heal people as soon as they walk into it. So that's the real goal. It's not all on me. I'm not that narcissistic. Um, but it seems to be a, that's what Jesus is saying to his followers. It's like, you guys get on this and take the ministry of forgiveness seriously. I think believers get, get wrong-headed. They get wrapped around the axle when it comes uh, to, to forgiveness. They, they think a lot about how does forgiveness work. And we, we sang an old hymn this morning uh, about uh, forgiveness, a hymn that I think technically is theologically wrong. Uh, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Do you owe Jesus? Not if he forgave you, (laughs) right? If he forgave you, you owe him nothing. The debt is forgiven. Of course, I think the song means like, well, you owe him thanks, you know, you kind of owe him, you know, thankfulness for your life and stuff like that. But, But just to say, I mean, we Christians have thought a lot about this idea and written a lot about it and celebrated a lot. Uh, over over centuries, uh, and I think a lot of us worry about you know what it takes to be forgiven. I mean, do you have to get repentance just right in order to be uh, freed? Do you have to say something just so in the sinner's prayer? Uh, do you have to say the sinner's prayer? And exactly what is the sinner's prayer anyway? That never appears uh, in, in the Bible. Uh, what exactly is the function of Christ's cross and His death and 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 the blood sacrifice uh, was there. Let me just kind of cut to the chase on all of that and say I think the cross was more about getting us to accept the forgiveness that God readily makes available uh, than it was a way uh, to buy off a God who was angry about sin and needed a blood sacrifice to be appeased. I think that's actually kind of the wrong way uh, to characterize it, but that's how a lot of people uh, see it. Let's do a, a three minute meditation on Old Testament mechanisms of forgiveness, which is where we get this idea of an appeasing blood sacrifice. If you've read the Old Testament, you've read uh, perhaps those large sections um, in the early Old Testament about sacrifices and rituals of forgiveness and, you know, the sacrificing of the animals on the altar and stuff like that. Have you read that stuff? Old Testament scholars, everybody, flash the sign for old guard. No, it's too stuffy in here today. Um, there was a fairly uh, specific and complex system of sacrifice and forgiveness. Uh, in the Old Testament. There was a specific sacrifice for uh, for your sin. If you sinned, you were supposed to make a sacrifice. There was a yearly sort of atonement sacrifice uh, that the uh, Israelite people would do collectively, uh, but then there was also sort of a, a specific uh, system of sacrifice that you were supposed to engage in if you did something wrong, if, if you did sin. Uh, and and it was it was graduated. There were levels to it. If, if you had sinned, uh, particularly intentionally sinned, then you could sacrifice uh, a, a sheep. You would go, go to the temple and offer an animal, and the priest would sacrifice it uh, for you. And that was a mechanism of walking away atoned, of being forgiven. There was a caveat to that, which is if you, could, if you were so poor that you could not afford a sheep, you could offer some pigeons. Uh, Some doves. Some of your Bible translations would say because they are really cheap to get. Um, Suppose you could you could trap them uh, if if you wanted to, and then instead of offering something that was you know really valuable to a family like you know a whole livestock animal, you would just offer um, you know a couple pigeons, and then you could walk away good. So that was a little easier. But there was another caveat. If you could not afford the pigeons, I mean, if you were like down and out, then you could offer a handful of cereal, a grain offering, it was called. Just come and offer that. What does that tell you about God's attitude toward sacrifice and forgiveness? It tells you that it's just more important to have a way to do it than it is to appease God in some specific manner. It's actually not true in terms of Old Testament uh, writings to say that God needed a blood ac- sacrifice to forgive sin. I mean, technically that's not true because, you know, grain would do on occasion. Um, it's as if God was saying, Look, I just want you to realize there's a way to get right with me. That's what I want. And that's how I would summarize the Old Testament teachings on sacrifice and forgiveness of sin. Number one, God wanted you to avoid sin. And there's a lot in the Old Testament that's about, you know, right and wrong. Don't do this. It's sin. The Old Hebrew word for sin literally means harm, or for evil literally means harm. It will do you harm. So avoid this stuff. Number one, avoid sin. That's important. We teach all of our kids the same thing. Don't do that. It will hurt you. Do not run into the street. Do not... Do not uh, stick a fork in the outlet. Like we have all of these rules, right? It's like that's sin. That's harm. Avoid that. Uh, Number two, um, you can get forgiven. You know, there's a way uh, to let it go. God's perfectly willing to let it go. Just do it. You know, and repentance is always good for growth, but the forgiveness is easy. Like repent, do the work, because that makes you grow up. It's it's helpful to admit that you made a mistake. But then be assured. We're gonna let this go. And that's what God was teaching his people. That his mercies are new every morning, that in the kingdom of God there is a healthy mechanism of starting over. Forgiveness is actually pretty easy in the kingdom of God. Avoiding sin and growing, actually, that's very challenging. But the forgiveness piece, pretty easy. Pretty easy. Um, If you don't know that forgiveness is easy, if you individually don't know that forgiveness is easy, then you will get sick and you will cause damage in the world. I'll say that again. If you don't know that forgiveness is easy, then you will get sick, and you will cause damage in the world. And uh, if you remember nothing else about today's sermon, then remember that. And I think the, the cross, Jesus on the cross, shows that doubly with added poignance. You know, you could say that Jesus died on the cross because God is deadly serious about your sin, which is, you know, yeah. I mean, He doesn't want us to sin. Sin is hurtful. But you could also say, that Jesus on the cross shows that God would rather die than let sin be a big issue between him and you. And I think that's a really helpful way to do it. There's no extent that God won't go to to let you start over and to convince you that he's a start over kind of God. And as an extension of that sort of ridiculous and aggressive generosity. Uh, he gives us what I call the ministry of forgiveness. And that's what John's, John 20 here is about. That's what this passage is about. He said, look, I've, I've gone to great lengths to show people, to assure people that I'm a start over kind of God, that I'm not really holding it against people, okay? There is a way to let it go and move on. I forgive you. Be forgiving. Get on with it, all right? And just to make that clear, I command you to forgive each other. And I command you to take that responsibility seriously because whomever you forgive is forgiven and whoever you don't forgive is not forgiven. You want to get on that, you know. This is what makes the world go round uh, in Jesus' view uh, of things. And uh, so you've listened to me pratt on for, for uh, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. How many of you said, yeah, I kind of knew that. So far. I kind of knew that. Four of you. Excellent. Blue Water is more mature uh, than, than I thought. Well, I'll end anyway just by saying this. It's not that we don't understand the importance of forgiveness. It's not that we don't understand, at least at Blue Water, that God is really generous in his forgiving. But we tend to kill forgiveness by complicating it. That's what we do. We kill forgiveness by complicating it. Uh, we think we have reasons to make forgiveness complicated. Um, like we don't forgive people because they repeat the violation I'll forgive you for that once but you keep doing it and now we have a serious problem 90% of my marriage counseling is this like like you keep doing it and I'm entitled to be really angry about it yes I mean are you entitled to continue to be really angry uh, about it um, sometimes we refuse to forgive Because the violator has repented But he or she is not sorry enough You know that one? I said I was sorry Yeah but I don't think he really meant it I said I was sorry Yeah, but you keep doing it Therefore, I am entitled to eradicate the whole thing. You are not forgiven. I'm entitled to judge you and to be really pissy about it. It's complicating forgiveness. Is that, is that a good thing to do? Uh, here's a really popular one. Um, I said I was sorry. Yes, but you don't realize how bad what you did was. So let me explain it to you again just how bad your offense was. Anybody know that one? And you can be on the giving end of that or you can be on the receiving end of it. But that's a way to complicate forgiveness. And that's the sin that most of us fall into. Right? We know that we're supposed to repent, that we're supposed to say you're forgiven. Like We know that. But we just sort of nibble at the edges of it and take all the forgiveness away from our interactions. Are you following me? Do you do that? Are you guilty of it? Raise your hand if you're guilty of complicating forgiveness. Raise your hand. Be bold. Raise it up there. Raise it up there. Hold it up. You're forgiven in Jesus' name. All right. There. You can walk away uh, justified. That's what we do. And, and, you know, humans have been doing this for centuries. Uh, Jesus gave one of his many challenging teachings on blanket forgiveness. And Peter uh, walks up to him afterwards and says, uh, Lord, uh, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Seven times? You remember this story? He's like, I forgave my brother, Jesus, but he kept doing the same dang thing. How long should I let that go on before I cut the dude off? Seven times? And I'm sure Peter thought that was generosity. I'm like, I'll do it. Not once, not twice, but I'll do it seven times because I'm that righteous Jesus. And Jesus' reply, of course, is, is world famous. He says, no, no, no. Seventy-seven times, seven times, uh, which is a very symbolic to w- a way to say, no, infinitely. Like, how many, however many times your brother uh, hacks you off, you have to forgive him. Forgiveness is easy. Drop of the hat. It should be automatic. We are never entitled to not forgive. We are never entitled to complicate forgiveness toward anyone at any time for anything. Period. Do you think that's true? Say amen if you think it's true. God heard you say amen and he will judge you if you violate it. No, he won't. He'll forgive you. Um, it, you know, it begs the question, what do you do if somebody offends you and then keeps doing it, right? Because there, there does need to be some way that you handle it, particularly if they're hurting you. And that's a different sermon, but I'll tell you right now that you better be willing to let it go each time it happens, or you will get sick and you'll make the other person sick as well, right? And, and you know what I mean by willing to let it go. It's like, it captures your heart if you're not careful. Now, you might need to discipline the person who's hurting you. You might need to change the terms of that relationship. You might need to set up boundaries. You might need to protect yourself or protect other people if the person is doing something that's really damaging. All of that is true. There are ways that you need to manage sin in people when it pops up, but unforgiveness is not a way that you can use to manage it, right? It's like, look, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. It's good, but, you know, you keep doing that harmful thing and I'm going to have to take steps to, to manage it. But unforgiveness can't be one of those things, right? You can't walk away bitter. Do you know what I mean by that? You know when you haven't forgiven. And that's the tough work that Jesus is talking about. When he says, look, you have it in your ability to not forgive that person. You have it in your ability to judge that person. You know what? It will affect that person. It will. It will. But do you want that on your head? And Jesus is is saying, uh, no. Don't let unforgiveness become a trauma in itself. So that's our meditation on forgiveness today. Let's do another forgiveness check. Um, Is there anything that you're not feeling forgiven for in life? Anything that you're not able to let go of? Anything that you're holding against someone else? And by holding it against someone else, I mean, have you complicated it a little bit? Is there a little bitterness in your heart about it? How is your ministry of forgiveness going? Uh, What I would like for us uh, around here uh, to do is to understand that forgiveness is a ministry. It's a service that we do for one another. At our Holy Spirit retreats, uh, we always, uh, before we pray, Uh, for people to receive the Holy Spirit for the first time. We always sit in a circle. We call it the circle of filth and somebody will share some sin that they've committed and then everyone else in the circle says, you're forgiven in Jesus' name. And it's as simple as that. You know, we don't counsel. We don't ask for details. we just like, okay, you're forgiven. That's the conversation opener. Now, let me pray to fill you with the Holy Spirit and that will empower you to avoid that sort of sin in the future. And I think that's the correct pattern I I want everybody to be clear that forgiveness is something that God has said we can give to one another like a free gift. Freely you've received. Freely give. Uh, So if you need forgiveness for something this morning, ask someone. Ask someone. If it has got a grip on your heart, if it in some way made you sick, and maybe you can feel just that edge of bitterness that's still sticking in you, You need to get forgiven. There's going to be a a prayer ministry team over here along the Makai Walk. In fact, you guys can head over there right now. Just walk up to them and say, I need to be forgiven for X. You know, if it's just too embarrassing for you to share, be very vague about it. You know? It would probably be good for you to find someone you trust and talk through the details because that helps you to grow right, that can be a very useful form of repentance. But today, maybe you just want to start by getting free, being forgiven, getting unburdened. And so you can be vague and say, I need forgiveness for something I did when I was, I need forgiveness for something I did too. And they'd be more than happy to just breathe a little life on you and to forgive you in Jesus' name because Jesus says that we can do that. But here's what I want to especially focus on. If you're holding something against someone, if you yourself have not forgiven, then you are shirking your responsibility. You're probably making yourself sick and you might be damaging other people as well. Forgiveness is a ministry that you should be doing to people. It's not a lever that you should be using to control people. And so maybe you want to walk to the prayer line and say, it's like, I, I just want to, can you pray with me? I just want to forgive so-and-so from something. And just in the name of Jesus, I forgive. And the prayer minister will agree with you. And then you can walk away into a new day. It sounds simple, and it is. But it's extraordinarily powerful. So much so that Jesus made it a headline to his resurrection. Uh, Holy Spirit, uh, as you were given with the declaration of forgiveness back here in John 20, I pray, Lord, that you would come give yourself to us this morning in a spirit of forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, brothers and sisters, you are forgiven uh, for every little thing. In the name of Jesus, brothers and sisters, I charge you uh, to forgive for every little thing. I charge you in the name of Christ to be aggressively generous over and over and over again. I bless you to be wise in your discipline, but reckless in your forgiveness. In Jesus' name.